Well, it's a bit of a different morning. It's good, isn't it? Lovely atmosphere. Wonderful. <clears throat> As I say, thank you so much for those who've been thinking about giving in to the Regions Beyond offering. Really appreciate that. If there's still pledge forms, obviously you can go online to the church account and uh, just... Put it in that way as well. Just make sure you give references. So that's, that's all good. Um, Truth on Fire is our series. We're basing ourselves in this book, using this as our sort of skeleton and reference, as well as this is the most important book in the world. So uh, uh, obviously we're using that as our core, and I'm just going to read from it. But Truth on Fire by Adam Ramsey has just been really helpful to shape our thinking as we walk up towards Christmas. Oh, goodness, I've used the words. Um, But anyway, there we are. Isaiah chapter 40. This week, God is unrivaled. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Okay, Isaiah 40 and verse 18. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold, fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects a piece of wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes, look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And then into the New Testament, 2 Corinthians and chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It starts off a slightly unusual little set of verses. This is Paul speaking in the, in the third person, as it were. He's actually speaking about himself, about a mysterious thing that happens. And then there's some very famous verses. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ. He's speaking about himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness, my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. 
to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Heavenly Father, these are incredible, amazing, wonderful verses. Holy Spirit, we ask for insight and revelation that we might not just have head knowledge, but that we might have heart relationship with you, our amazing God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Adam, uh, we, so I said we're starting this week, it's called God is Unrivaled. God Unrivaled, the experience of embracing weakness. We've, uh, we've looked at the God is Other, the experience of wonder. God is Sovereign, the experience of assurance. This week, God is Unrivaled, the experience of weakness. And Adam uh, starts this chapter by a a quote from the famous reformer Martin Luther. You have to read it twice because it's quite challenging. Listen to this. Hopefully it goes up there. God created the world out of nothing. As long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. You actually want to go, ouch. (laughs) God created the world out of nothing. As long as we are nothing... He can make something out of us. This is, a lot of this is about how do we see God, how do we see ourselves. The challenge is that for most of us, we don't want to be nothing. We don't like feeling weak and helpless. We want to be strong. We want to be in control. Admitting that we are feeling weak, that we haven't got all the answers, it's not something that I find easy to do, and I'm sure many of you don't find easy to do either. I always make it a priority to pray on Monday mornings. I, I make it a priority to pray a lot of the time if I possibly can, but I always like to uh, make it a priority to pray on Monday mornings. Anybody know why? Because they come after Sunday, I heard somebody say. <laughs> um, because they follow Sunday. Um, because we give ourselves to gathering, and I'm obviously at core in the part of that. And uh, being very open with you, uh, a couple of Mondays ago, not last Monday, the Monday before, uh, I just was feeling particularly weak. It had been a good full Sunday, including the second of our vision and values, people gathering in, new people wanting to find out more about the church. We had our evening prayer meeting, so it had been a good Sunday. But on the Monday morning, I was struggling. My thinking, my emotions were just a bit all over the place. Undoubtedly, the enemy was having a bit of a go. And I know, I've learned, I need to pray, I need to be in some fresh air, but I need to talk to the Lord, and I need to read his words. 
And what happened was that I was led very clearly to these verses in 2 Corinthians 12, where the Apostle Paul is talking openly about feeling weak. It's amazing, isn't it? We think of the Apostle Paul as this great New Testament giant, although some people say he possibly was quite a small man. I can't remember why they think that. But, anyway, but you think of him as this great New Testament giant, but even he is expressing weakness. In fact, he says, I will boast about my weakness. But one of the things that really stood out to me that morning as I, as I was reading these verses and praying and talking with the Lord, and I do, I don't know what Charlie, our dog, thinks, but every now and again he'll look up me. Are you talking to me? No, you know, I'm clearly talking to someone else, though he doesn't know who. But Paul says this. He says, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in de- in difficulties. And as I sat there, literally at my desk, with my, my hands open before the Lord, I actually said, no, no, Lord, I cannot say I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I, I delight in difficulties. Um, no, literally, that's how I was talking. I, I don't want them. So what does this mean? Well, of course, as with the whole of the Bible, these things must be read in context. So 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 is key. It's absolutely key. Having not got the answer he's wanted, having not uh, his thorn in the flesh not being removed, it goes on, but he, the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I am strong. I grew up in a network of churches and a family of churches, and I think even <clears throat> as I think back to childhood, that the expression was, oh, just toughen up a bit, toughen up a bit, be, be strong. The problem with that is it becomes a shell, but inside there's something else going on. <clears throat> and there's not reality about where you're at, except that you know where you are yourself. But you see, well we're being led into here is this. When I look away from myself, more accurately, when I turn away from my self-sufficient efforts and I get a revelation of the unrivaled power of the Almighty God who is my Lord and Saviour, then I'm able to express, even embrace my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. But like so many things, it's very, very different to the voice of the world that we live in. That's why we need a revelation. Remember we've been saying, revelation leads to relationship. Revelation leads to relationship. So let's just look at our God in this way today. God is unrivaled. There is uh, another PowerPoint that I realized, um, Glenn, that wasn't in my notes. God is unrivaled. 
So if we click to the next one, hopefully there. When we talk about rivals, I'm glad Angie's not here, she knows. Uh, when we talk about rivals, we usually imagine two people or two teams that are roughly the same, although I can imagine the shouts beginning already, in ability and strength. And they're battling in some way or other. Often they're rivals because they're in the same league and either one could win. But the next slide, God is unrivaled. He's in a league of his own. To use the theological word, he is omnipotent or omnipotent. So the sovereignty of God that we talked about last week speaks of the authority of his reign. So last week, God is sovereign. That's his authority. He has all authority. The omnipotence of God describes his power to accomplish the purposes of that reign. So he's sovereign, but he's also full of power. He's full of power. So what he says he will do, what he says he can do. Can we need some hallelujahs or some amens or something here today to draw this out? Because there's some great truth here that we need to get in us, particularly in our day and our time. He has all power, which is why we refer to him as almighty. Again, growing up in a particular kind of church, but God often would be referred to as the almighty. Sometimes we need to recover some of these phrases. You say, oh, that sounds a bit quaint, but it's true. He is the almighty. He's the almighty. I want to play a quick game. It's the game of contrasts or opposites. You know the game? All right? So if I say to you, cat, you say... There we go. Okay? If I say to you, wet, you say... If I say to you, boy... If I say, hot... If I say, God... You see, absolutely logical and right to say Satan. I understand why you say that. But you'd be wrong. The opposite to Satan. Satan is a wicked, fallen angel. The opposite to Satan is another angel. Another creative being. The opposite to God is nothing. He has no rival. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. I pitched it too high. Yours is the kingdom. There, I've gone down a bit. Yours is the glory, now and forever, Lord, you reign. Yours is the name above all name. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. You have no rival. You have no equal. Remember what we read in, in Isaiah 40, 25? To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Lord, Holy One? It's repeated again in, in Isaiah 46, verse 5. With whom will you compare me? Who will you count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. It's no opposite. No rival, no equal, no competitor. Yes, we recognize that Satan is at work to try and thwart 
turn against the purposes of God. But his strength, his power is limited. But the strength of Almighty God is limitless. Adam Ramsey in the book says, Being unlimited in power means that God has never been fatigued by a task, confused by a problem, or worn out by the responsibilities of his sovereignty. When God gives power to the faint, Isaiah 40, he gives in a way that never makes him poorer and yet makes the recipient richer. He does not expend energy that needs to be replenished. He is undiminishing source of energy. It's simple for him to create a billion galaxies as it is a blade of grass. Friends, it's so important for us to grasp these truths. Because as we said last week about his sovereignty, that if even one thing falls out of the scope of God's sovereignty, how will we ever rest in the assurance that he's got this? Well, I'm not sure if he's, he's got that and that, but I'm not sure he's got this. No, he's sovereign overall, we said, didn't we? And that same, same assurance is the same truth here. If God is limited in his power in any way, then we've got real concern about our prayers, about everything. I'm not sure God's got the power. Has he got the power for this? But his omnipotence, his omnipotence, unrivaled power is very good news. Amen? Very good news for those who love him and are committed to following him. He gives us great assurance. There's no wickedness too great for God's mercy. No obstacle too great for God's wisdom. Nothing is too complicated. No situation is beyond him. He is El Shaddai, the God Almighty. What's the application of this great truth? Last week we asked the question... Who's in control, or who do we think is in control? This week we might say something similar. Whose power is it, really? Whose power is it, really? See, over and over and over again, the Bible repeatedly warns us. It says this, God opposes the proud. James 4, verse 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Isaiah 2, verse 12. Jeremiah 50, verse 31. Daniel 437. God opposes the proud. He opposes that which is deadly to us. Our constant reaching for glory and power is destructive as it is demonic. If we are really honest, we all look down on others. There's always somebody that is beneath us. Even if we feel quite low, we will be looking down on others. We do it a lot probably more than we realise. But by doing it, what we're trying to do is lift ourselves up. Oh, I'm not there, I'm here. We, and we try to lift ourselves up. But as C.S. Lewis says, that way of living will destroy us. As long as you're living looking down, you cannot see that thing that is above you. And we quoted that verse from James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud. But we only quoted half the verse. What's the other half of the verse? He's put it up already, hasn't he? <laughs> this is why I need to do my own clicking, John, you see. 
He gives grace to the humble. When we embrace our weakness, when we stoop, when we accept and acknowledge you are omnipotent, I am not. It's there that we begin to become most fully alive. Most fully that those he created us to be. Children of God under the hand of an almighty God. Children under the hand of an almighty God. And what happens? He lifts us up. He lifts us up. I don't hoist myself. I don't climb up to the detriment of others or upon others. I don't get up on a pedestal. As I humble myself before him, recognizing my humanity, how I am before him, he lifts us up. He lifts us up. This is a sideline. I just feel prompted. The Lord's just prompted me with something, just a phrase. Over the 35 years of church involvement, I guess, that I've had in various forms, from time to time, people have come to me and said, I'm not being recognized. It's just come to me now, really. I'm not being recognized. I'm waiting for someone to recognize my gift, my call, whatever. And what I've had to learn myself and what I've had to say sometimes to others is be faithful with what you have in your hand. And I tell you right now, it will be recognized. If you believe that you're, whatever it is, you believe you're a worship leader or an elder of the church or whatever it will be, it is. Be faithful where you are. Faithful in your giving. Faithful in your serving. Be an encourager. Be the first one at the prayer meeting. Be the first one to speak. I tell you, it won't be minutes before other leaders will be going, hey, what's God doing in you? Let's hear. He will lift you up. He will lift you up. The challenge is, and we're facing this, I'm not a political animal. Those of you who know me well will know this. But the challenge, even in these weeks that we're seeing played out before us is this sense of promotion and the battle for promotion, isn't it, that's going on. I'm just speaking as an utter layman here. But you just see the battle going on. Oh, for godly men and women who will surrender their lives to Christ, he will lift them up. He will lift them up. You want to pray for anything? Pray for there, there are those who love the Lord and love his word. They're right there in government. They need our prayers. You can find out about them. You can go to the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship. You can pray for them. But he will lift us up. Now I've lost my place in my notes. But anyway, that's good. He gives grace to the humble. I like how Adam Ramsey puts it. Humility doesn't mean self-loathing, but God-focused. Learning to see that the center of life is not ourselves, but God. It's about living our lives before God. It's about getting our eyes off ourselves and fixing them on Jesus, the one who is the lion and the lamb. When we think of a lion, we think of kingly nobility, don't we? Hopefully we've got a picture of that. In Jesus, we see unmatched power, unrivaled glory, unparalleled strength. When we think of a lamb, we think of weakness. And a lamb that's been slain, well, that's dead. But on the third day, 
the lamb who was slain, was raised to resurrection power. In Jesus, we see victory gained through dying, says Adam Ramsey. Might displayed through humility. Meekness and majesty. Manhood and deity. In perfect harmony, the man who is God. Lord of eternity dwells in humanity. Kneels in humility and washes our feet. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship, for this is your God. Father's pure radiance, perfect and innocent, yet learns obedience to death on a cross. Suffering to give us life. Conquering through sacrifice. And as they crucify, praise, Father, forgive. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship, for this is your God. This is your God. Wisdom unsearchable. God the invisible. Love indestructible. In frailty appears. Lord of infinity, stooping so tenderly, lifts our humanity to the heights of his throne. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship. This is your God. Jesus not only holds the mighty power that we need, he also shows us how the way of weakness is the path to that of power. Your weakness, then, is not an inconvenience to avoid. I think this is a personal one for me. I find myself very often quite weak in a number of ways. And I feel like I I ought to be better than this. I ought to be doing better. I ought to have it more together. And then I read a phrase like that and I think that's really helpful. Your weakness, then, is not an inconvenience to avoid. On the contrary, it's the blood-stained doorway that your Saviour opened that leads you to a a life marked by the power of the Spirit and the strength of Almighty God. It causes me to say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, help me. Coming into land now in these, just these moments. Isaiah 57, verse 15. He dwells in the high and holy place and he meets us in the low place. In the place where we stand with hands held out and say, no, I'm not God. I'm weak. I'm vulnerable. I'm very conscious of and willing to admit my lack. But I am his creation who he loves, who he died for, and as I boast in my weakness, his power comes to revive me, to fill me, to strengthen me, to restore and refresh, to display his glory through my life. His glory gets displayed. As I acknowledge before him where I stand, the realities of where I stand. I I was struck by that phrase, embracing weakness, and you think, oh, Is that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be strong. No, I embrace weakness that Christ's power may rest on me. It's a a challenge to get hold of. It's not what the world teaches me. 
Just as we come into land, there's loads in this particular chapter, but towards the end of the chapter, Adam Ramsey talks about embracing the weakness of prayer. He says that perhaps for many of us, the greatest indicator of pride in our hearts is not the presence of arrogant boasting or bragging, but the absence of prayer. He says, if I want to be really accurate measure of, my, of the self-reliance in my life, I found this an ouch moment, I need to look no further than the mirror of my prayer life. If I want a really accurate measure of self-reliance in my life, I need to look no further than the mirror of my prayer life. Even this morning I came rushing in, a few things needed to get done and sorted, and I was all in a tiz and a bother, and I started talking to Abby, all in a tiz and a bother, about trying to make a decision about when we would do the offering, and, and I was all like this. And Hannah said to me, rightly, she's a godly woman, maybe we should decide after the prayer time. <laughs> Thank you. And I went, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So easy, isn't it? Oh, just get it sorted, get it done. I'm a sorter. I've got a friend who's a sorter as well. <laughs> but I like to sort things, get them done. And, and that's not wrong how I was made. I do think about the detail. I'm interested in the detail. But it's so easy, isn't it, to rush off down the road and forget to pray. Hang on, what, what did the Lord say? What did he want? Oh, I'm, I'm just sorting it, fixing it. Need to stop and pray. Wait upon the Lord. Lord, can you have the answer quicker? Can it, please? Can it? No, wait. Ashley was singing all last week, strength arises as we wait upon the Lord, as we wait upon the Lord, as we wait upon the Lord. Strength will arise as we wait upon the Lord. I have no idea where I am as we come into land. Prayer is the vehicle through which God will accomplish his invisible purposes through the lives of weak, dependent people like you and me. Listen to this phrase, brothers and sisters. When our lives are absent of dependent prayer, they are absent of divine power. Some of you want to go and buy this book now, don't you? Truth on Fire by Adam Ramsey. When our lives are absent of dependent prayer, they are absent of divine power. What are you living with today? Something really big? Something very small? Have you prayed about it? Maybe you've mulled it over, you've debated it in your mind, you've tried to work out how you can fix it or sort it. Have you prayed about it? Have you come to the Lord and said, I can't, but you can? Have you been still enough to hear his answer? In the words of Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I can't be the only one who has got to the point where I say, Lord, I've run out of words. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. Have you been in that place? I have. And I sit there like I did the other day, hands just out before the Lord's. Apostle Paul says in those great verses, the Holy Spirit takes those humble, those honest, those weakness-embracing prayers, he takes them and he intercedes for us. 
He takes them. To quote that great phrase of J.O. Packer, which I think Ashley's used before, God fixes our prayers on the way up. I don't know how it works. But you say, Lord, I just, I've run out. I don't know, I've run out of words. Sometimes I pray in tongues. uh, But I've run out of words. And God says, let me take that heart. Let me take that weakness embrace. And let me fix it on the way up. Because I have all power. All authority is mine. Now let me work. And we have to let him work. His answer isn't always the answer we want, is it? It's like, oh, I I didn't want to wait, or I didn't want to know, I just wanted a yes. Sometimes it is yes, but it's different to what you thought you were asking for. You know that one? Actually, I've got something better for you than you were asking for. You were asking for this, but actually I've got something more. That's a good one to wait for. Brothers and sisters, it really is. We will not succeed in this Christian life until we've come to the place of humility where we realise, I can't do this, but he can. In the place of our confessed weakness, says, says Adam, God reveals his unstoppable power. Every trial and pressure and devil that you face are smaller than the God who made you and loves you. When we become convinced of God's unrivaled power enough to grab hold of our creaturely dependence and gladly come to the end of ourselves, we too will be able to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let's stand together. Hannah, could you come and help us? I don't know if you've got that song, You Have No Rival, You Have No Equal, Yours and Together, for Lord We Reign. Perhaps you <coughs> can tell the guys at the front we could sing that perhaps in a minute. Brothers and sisters, let's, if you feel able, let's just close our eyes. But if you need to keep them open, that's fine. But just let's be in a posture before the Lord. God doesn't want your strength. He wants to give you his. And I want to tell you right now, I receive that first in my own life before I impart that to anyone else. God doesn't want your strength. He wants to give you his. As we look at our world... We look at our circumstances, maybe our family, our work. Big questions. Big concerns. How do we fix this? How do we, how do we sort it? That verse says, doesn't it, not by might nor by power. What it means is not by self-might or self-power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I just want to invite you today, maybe it's something very small, bring it to the Lord.
Maybe it's something really big. Bring it to the Lord. Be reminded that He is sovereign. He is over all. Be assured He has the power. He has the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the hope of salvation. If you're not sure of that hope today, you can turn to Him and say, I've tried it my way. I ask your forgiveness for going my way. Lord, forgive me. I now turn your way. Come with your strength. Come with your wisdom. Come with your saving grace and love. And help me. Forgive me. Take me forward in your strength and your power. I invite you to say that to him today. And he will take you at his word. He'll receive you. Maybe you've been trying to work it out post-COVID. Just trying to work it out, get it sorted, get things back on track. The Lord says, won't you allow me to take you onto my track? There's a lane that I have for you to run in. There's a track. There's a purpose that I have for you. If only you will surrender to me. Lay down your works. Lay down your effort. And let me show you that which I have for you. By my spirit. Lord, we ask you today for a spirit of, (coughs) excuse me, of revelation that we might know you better. You have no rivals. You have no rivals. This is our God. Lord, we thank you for this incredible example that you gave to us. The God of the universe, the the Prince of Peace, the, the great I Am, the one who is and was and is to come, the Word of God took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist and washed our feet died for us oh what a mystery meekness and majesty this is our God this is our God just invite you just surrender your life again to the Lord just if you've been walking with the Lord many years just come again to him just commit your ways to him just say Lord teach me to pray Grow again in your prayer life. Bring it to the Lord. Just let him speak to you. Hannah leads us in this great song that really picks up the theme of what we've been saying today. Just let the Lord speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit. If you want to come and stand at the front as as just a mark of commitment, surrendering, you want to kneel where you are, that's fine. Let's just be before the Lord. We've got just a few minutes. Let's be before the Lord. Let the Spirit work. to sing gently together this great your weakness is not an inconvenience to avoid his grace is sufficient his power is made perfect in weakness be real tell the Lord admit to the Lord where you're at so that his power might rest upon you. Lord, we need your power. 
in this day, this time. We need your power. We come to you. Lord, we confess our need. And we say, may your power, your sufficient, all-sufficient grace rest upon us. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.